0: Hi everyone, welcome to this uh, episode of the Zero 100 Conferences and TS Podcast. My name is Yasmina, I'm an Investment and Communications Manager at FreeTS Capital Partners. And as of this episode, I'm taking over the moderation of the podcast series. I'm usually moderating events online and offline, uh, but this is my podcast debut, so it's a pleasure to be here. And it's even a bigger pleasure to have Shill as a guest here today. Sheil's a great person, successful entrepreneur, amazing investor, and he's actually a podcaster himself as well. Sheil is the founder of The Pitch, which he actually exited. And I think it's not that common to exit a podcast, Shill is it?
1: Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's It's not very common. And I should say, it's not like it was a massive success. It was successful, but uh, it wasn't, you know, I don't think, uh, no one's getting rich. Not too many people are getting rich by exiting a podcast. Although we exited to Gimlet Media, which then exited to uh, uh, Spotify. And that actually was a very successful exit.
0: I see, well, it does sound pretty cool to say it though. Thank you so much for accepting our invitation today. And to start off, before we jump into the conversation, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first to get a little bit of your background? So who is S.H.I.E.L.?
1: Sure. Who is S.H.I.E.L.? That's such a difficult question to answer. Um, but I should say, I let's see, I grew up on the East Coast of the United States in Pittsburgh, but uh, I'm of Indian heritage. My parents are both grew up in India. And I have always been interested in business and entrepreneurship since I was a kid. Um, and then I took a meandering path around. You know, I worked in consulting. I worked in software for a while, and uh, and then actually I spent some time in the nonprofit world, uh, working in microfinance, and then ended up going back to consulting, starting a company. That company exited, started another company that exited and then became a venture capitalist uh, as I am today. And so for the past four and a half years, I have been you know happy to say that uh, my career is as a venture capitalist, and I've really enjoyed it.
0: That's great. Thanks for the run-through. I think it's uh, safe to say that you have a really rich background going from consulting, through nonprofit, through being an entrepreneur before actually turning investor. And who knows who you're going to turn into next. But for now, (laughs) I think you have a pretty solid entrepreneurial background. How many companies have you founded?
1: Uh, It depends on what you count, but probably four. Um, Right. There was a payments company that exited to Groupon in 2012. There was an auction company. We sell uh, very large and interesting assets. Uh, That company exited in 2015. Um, And then the podcast, if you count that, that exited in 2017. And then I started this food company called Thistle that is still running and has now has more than 500 employees. I'm not active in the business anymore other than as an advisor, but uh, I co-founded and still have quite a bit of equity in the company.
0: Nice. Very nice. I mean, four companies out of which free exits and one still successfully running companies. I think that's pretty cool. So how do you use this experience in your investor job?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, first of all, I think not everyone not every vc needs to have come from a founding background but i think where it's specifically most helpful is at seed stage because which is where i invest i invest in early early companies and i think they need the most help from people who have done it before so i think it's really helpful and it it's not necessarily helpful in assessing the ideas i think anyone can assess good ideas and anyone can pick companies. Um, I think where it's really helpful is in helping those companies and then also being picked. Because I think one thing many people don't understand about venture capital is it's not just about finding the companies and investing in them. It's about them choosing you. And that is uh, you know, that is re- really important. And, and being a founder helps in getting chosen.
0: Yes, that's for sure. And I think it's not only about, you know, finding the companies and investing in them and having them choose you to invest in them. But then obviously a big part of the job is to be able to grow the company and exit the company, right? And I think this is where exactly. the founder background comes incredibly handy. Um, I don't know, could you pick a few moments where you really felt like, yeah, this is, this is like a lesson learned from my own experience and now I can use it for this company?
1: Yeah, um, you know it happens all the time. Like,
0: just
1: I'd say like the main things that that I can be helpful with. I, I can't think of like really great examples but that would be fun to talk about, but I can say like broadly speaking. You know, I've done fundraising before for myself, and I can help people with that process. I have structured deals before, and I can help people think through how to structure a deal. And I've hired people and I can help people, you know, know how to hire. And and those are all really important. One thing that I, I guess I also have done is like been through conflict with co-founders. And this is something that almost always happens at some point or another. And you know, it's it's nice to be able to be the person or actually it's kind of nice <laughs> to be the person that one side or the other will call and say hey i could use your help mediating this conflict and you know i've been that th- through that myself had lots of conflict with my own co-founders and and in the end all, with all of them it always ended up working out and we're all friends today but mm-hmm. it's inevitable that there will be some conflict along the way and um you know having somebody that's been through that i think is very helpful
0: yeah and i think maybe in the matter of empathy as well i think vcs are so often seen also by founders as those who come in with these aggressive terms and just focus on the financial returns and really want to make money out of the company because that's really their job as well right but um yeah. i think maybe from your position of being a founder yourself before you're able to empathize better with the founders like, do, do you sometimes find yourself a little bit like between the chairs, like changing the hats, <laughs> being now I'm an investor, but then I also understand a founder?
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, I feel like I'm somewhere, like, exactly what you said. Like, I'm somewhere in the middle. And th- this comes up from time to time. An example would be um, they a founder is thinking through whether they should exit or not. And sometimes as an investor, it's if it's early on in the, in the startup's life, I most investors do not want them to exit. But I'm able to think about it from a founder's perspective and say, hey, here's a really balanced perspective. It's going to change your life to have a million dollars or $2 million or whatever whatever it is. Small amount of money for our fund, it doesn't really make, it, make or break our fund at all, but I can help the founder think through that and actually be totally rational from a founder's perspective because I have other investments and I know that it's a founder that I would back again. And, and so it doesn't really matter to me from my fund perspective, I'd rather just be on the founder's side and because I've been there before.
0: Yes, get that. I think sometimes it might be a bit tricky to balance that out, or how do you then explain that into partnership, or is everyone in the partnership sort of on the same page then?
1: Yeah, we're, we're, I think we're all bought into that. So my partner, Jake, uh, is also a very successful uh, founder, actually much more successful than me. Um, he's only started one company, but that company is called Nerd Wallet and is most recently valued at $750 million. Um, So he, you know, he really understands all of this stuff very well. And I think that has been a really good partnership for the two of us because we're on the same page on this thing. You know, of course we have our own differences as well.
0: Yeah. Which is great. I think it's really important that you're on the same page there to be able to basically assist the companies um, if they decide to exit early. Yeah. I mean, going a little bit more from this granular perspective to a little broader perspective, you know, uh, obviously not every VC has to have a founder's background. But how do you think, in a little bit more general in the ecosystem, does it help to sort of cultivate a successful ecosystem when founders turn investors, whether it's VCs or angel investors, and they're mentoring also younger founders? How do you think this sort of helps to build successful ecosystems? How do you think about that?
1: It definitely helps. Unfortunately, it takes a really long time because, you know, typically it takes at least five to 10 years to get to an exit. So, um, you know, to then have the money to then next deploy into companies takes a while. And it's why there's a lag period uh, a little bit. Between some markets uh, that I think have a lot of potential, but um, I think for many of us we get real joy out of it, and we really want to pay it forward because there are so many people that helped us along the way. And so for me, it's fun, it's uh, it's rewarding, and you know it's lucrative as well if if you're successful, but. I, I just really enjoy it. I can't see doing anything else.
0: Yeah, so maybe like the next question would be, would you actually think of becoming a founder again? Are you saying no, I want to really stay on the VC side of the table?
1: Yeah, it's a great question.
0: I um I have definitely thought about being
1: a founder um again. Um but I think the way I'll do it now is a little bit different. I think you know, first of all, as you may know, when you start a VC fund, you're committing for 10 years. So I just started a new fund this year. And so that's another 10 year commitment. So I have to think through well, when, you know, it's a 10 year commitment, but I could probably start another company after four or five years. Uh, so I have to think through what actually makes sense for me. And I think the way I would do it is within our VC fund, I think we would incubate ideas and we would sort of be part-time founders, but I don't think I would be a CEO. Yeah,
0: makes sense. Definitely makes sense. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your new fund?
1: Sure. The fund is called Better Tomorrow Ventures and it's a FinTech seed fund. It's myself and Jake, as I mentioned, we typically lead deals with between a half million and one and a half million dollars. And we aim for at least 10% ownership in our companies. Um, we started fundraising late last year and it has gone pretty well. We're raising $60 million and we're almost there. Uh, so we'll, we're we're going to hit our target and, and try not to go over. Um, and Uh, We've already done four deals from the fund uh, that we led or co-led. And uh, we do invest globally. uh, Although three of the four deals we've done, it just so happens three of the four deals we've done were in San Francisco. Uh, The fourth one is actually in Mexico City. So we'll invest anywhere.
0: Cool. Now nah, that sounds actually great. And you know, talking about fundraising and the current situation, it's not like I want to devote a big part of the podcast to the COVID crisis. But I think it would still be interesting to hear a little bit your take on, you know, fundraising for fund during the crisis. How how is that for you, or how is it for you?
1: Yeah, it, yeah. It's a great question because it's very different than I thought. So um, when we started, we started raising at end of sort of at q4 and then we were going to do a close march 30th and basically march 30th was like the worst time everyone was in crisis um in the bay area we'd started shutting down on march 15th so it was like very unclear what was going to happen and we thought okay i guess we'll just end up having a smaller fund which frankly was okay with us i think we could do we could achieve everything we wanted to achieve with a smaller fund but um We then, you know, I'd say like in May, people started coming back to us and saying, hey, actually, we are interested in what you're offering. And obviously, the stock market in the U.S. has been on a tear. It's higher than it's ever been before. And so it feels really weird because we're obviously in a recession. There's rampant unemployment, not just in the U.S., but in many places around the world. But the stock market's as high as it's ever been, and um, you know revenue multiples are as high as they're, as they're ever been. So, and we we actually are not having trouble fundraising now. Um, it did feel like you know March, April, the beginning of May, all felt really bad. But now we're back with a bang.
0: Oh, that's great to hear. I mean, congrats. Um, I think that's what we hear a lot currently that there is still money and there is still desire to invest. And if you come with, um, an interesting strategy, it's not impossible, obviously.
1: Yeah, that's right. It, um, I think the market like what we had to offer, which is we have a previous fund that has been pretty successful. Um, we are both founders and we have a focus on fintech, and I th- and we lead deals. And I think all of those things combined led it to be a relatively easy fundraise for us.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I mean, coming back to to this VC background sort of, yeah. you say you are both um, have a founder's background, but it's obviously not necessary for a VC to have that background. Do you think you're sort of missing, um, I don't know, a complementary? person to partnership that would have a different
1: background than a founders background yeah so I think part of what we have been selling to our founders is the founders that we back is that we have founder empathy but I don't think that's required and I think we would we probably prefer it in you know if we bring on a third partner in the future we would prefer it to be somebody who's been a founder before but really it's somebody that we what we care about most is that they have that founder empathy it doesn't have to be from from an actual founder and there have been many great vcs who do not have a founder background have been reporters that became great vcs there have been people who just were career vcs who are fantastic and there are people who've been you know vp or had a product roles that have been really successful, so I don't think it's by any means a requirement, but it has worked for us so far. Um, and we're not actively looking for a third partner, but I think you know if somebody that came along that we get along with really really well and had some complementary skill sets, um I think we would strongly consider adding a third partner, and certainly our fund our fund can support it.
0: yeah, I think we could. Probably record a whole podcast or how to put together a successful partnership in a fund, because it's such a delicate. Um, I think a partnership and balance, really, a relationship between the people, and it's super interesting to make to make it work in a good way. But maybe yeah, kind of, and I'm yeah. not I'm not an
1: expert. Um, so Jake and I, so Jake was an EIR entrepreneur entrepreneur in residence for my previous fund, and so we've been working together more or less for four years. And we know how each other works. I'm sure there are many things about me that frustrate him. Um, and he <laughs> still chose to be my partner. Uh, we're equal partners in this fund, which I think is is really good. And uh, and I think we, we both have really different things to offer, actually, even though we have very similar backgrounds in founders. Um, our personalities are very different in that I am very outgoing and Jake is more measured and reserved. And I think it works really well for us. And and then also he's just so much more organized and never lets any ball drop versus I definitely do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is great. I think this is like a great example of walking the talk when we tell founders that they should have a complementary skill set or personality. I think that works the same way for a partnership in a fund. It's very
1: important. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, it's a fintech fund, and I know that your background is very much in fintech, but it sort of didn't happen on purpose, right?
1: Yeah. It's funny. It's really easy to connect the dots backwards and say, oh, everything was fintech that I've been doing. I've been working towards this my whole career. But that's not really true. <laughs> um, How is,
0: wh- what is the truth then?
1: The truth is like I took a meandering path. And so my fintech career, it starts on all an accident. Like my first job after college, I made software for hospitals. I started out making software for emergency room. But then um, the company started a new division that was billing software, patient billing and insurance. and because my boss uh, from the emergency room software was leading that new division. He took me along with him. So I ended up being, okay, this is a software company working in, in billing. Okay. That's kind of FinTech. And then um, I was a management consultant, not much FinTech there. And then, uh, and then I wanted to do nonprofit work and I ended up finding this great nonprofit called Kiva. Kiva lets people from anywhere in the world, Make a loan to individuals in the developing world for the sake of alleviating poverty and i didn 't think of it as Fintech at the time, but of course it really is it's it's a website for people to make loans and we had a lot of really early PayPal mafia involved, including Reed Hoffman, who was pay, early PayPal guy, started LinkedIn, and then Keith Rabois, another early PayPal guy who then went to, you know did a bunch of things, was at square and then a uh, partner at. at and that was a founder's fund and so we had a lot of fintech dna early on um and then you know i went back to consulting i was working primarily with banks and insurance companies when i was consulting and that was not actually my choice that was kind of the thing that i got assigned to and then it ended up being really useful because then when i left to help uh, start a company we started a company in the fintech space a payments company and then and then kind of, you know, continued along the fintech line. But it was really pretty accidental that I got there. And then when starting in venture, I just chose fintech because that's where I had some background. And it has been great for me. You know, fintech as a category has grown really substantially. And it feels like every day there's, there's a new fintech exit. And that's been, that's been really great.
0: Yeah. Like it's a pretty booming space and there's always something happening in there. That's for sure. Um, like this whole topic of being a generalist versus specialist, like how do you see it? Do you think, um, it's a right to stay a generalist your whole career or is it actually a good thing for BC to try to focus more on just one topic or one industry?
1: I think it really is, um, for me being focused has been critical I think like it's so good being focused like I know most of the companies in the industry and I know the competitors immediately and because I've sometimes spoken to the competitors or, or I've just done research in the category I'm able to very quickly or you know I should say sometimes very quickly grasp what the company is doing and save a lot of time when, when they're pitching uh, and and in my diligence. Uh, So I love being focused and I don't think I would be very good as a generalist, to be honest.
0: Yeah, we're right. Good, good. We're going a little bit towards the end of the podcast and I would like to switch gears a little bit and touch on a different topic. I was just reading an article yesterday that a Czech founder, Rod, about how last year he really touched the bottom when his company always went bust. And I think there's a lot of, you know, founders, but also investors right now that find themselves in tricky situations in terms of the crisis and how this affects their businesses. Um, and I think it's a topic of a, you know, physical and mental health that I think is not still that much talked about. Um, And the industry, it seems like there's a lot of expectations for people to be always smiling and always available and always giving like a positive twist on on every situation, um, which creates a lot of pressure. Um, And so the question goes basically to direction of like, what do you personally do to take care of yourself, to take care of your physical and mental health, to really stay in shape and be able to give the best to your portfolio as well?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it's really important. And definitely during COVID times, everyone, I'm sure has been through crazy uh, ups and downs. And, and for me, you know, early on, I felt like, okay, there's a short term thing. uh, It's going to be an interesting new way of living for a month or two, and then it's going to be fine, back to normal. Uh, And I was feeling fine, like, this is just a short term thing. It's okay, what an interesting time. And then you know a month in i realized like oh wait this is not just going to be a month long thing this is going to be a long thing and then even the life we return to is not the same life and many of the things that i really enjoy which is interacting with people are not going to be the same for a long time and i won't get to see my friends for a long time so that was really depressing for me and what helps me is actually spending time outside and just being in nature so i really Prioritize that, and I ended up moving uh, north of San Francisco for a couple of months and getting into nature, a place where I could hike every day, and that was really critical for me. So that that's been my uh, antidepressant is getting out of nature and and hiking.
0: That's great. I think that's a really healthy antidepressant to be taking. I personally also try to spend a lot of time in nature during the crisis because that was that one place that was actually available anyway. And um, we ended up having plenty of time, right? Because you couldn't really go see friends. You couldn't go to restaurants or shopping or whatever else people would do normally. So we just ended up spending a lot of time outside and I realized how much I've missed that. And I definitely want to do more of that um, going forward as well, whether there's a lockdown or not.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Good. Um, Before finishing off, two quick questions. Number one, what are the hottest fintech trends that you see out there that really get you excited?
1: Yeah, I think the one that is most exciting to me right now is fintech infrastructure. So the idea that all companies, or many, many companies of the future will be fintech companies, and the way I think about it is any company with distribution and a data advantage can be a fintech company. And so what we need to build is companies that enable any company to be a fintech company. So if you are a, let's say a, a company that helps a certain type of small business, let's say you help, you build the operating system for barbershops, um, then that's great. That's a software company. But maybe you could do more. Maybe you could do banking for barbershops and integrate that in and accounting and then offer them loans when they need and payroll. And all of these things you can do all from that that one wedge as a software company. And so I think this is really critical because distribution is very expensive for financial products. But if you're already selling them something else, why not lead with technology and then go to finance? And and I think that's, that's what I'm really most excited about for the coming years.
0: Great, thanks for sharing. Question number two, what are some resources that you recommend to people? Uh, it can be on FinTech, but it can be on anything else really, something interesting that you read regularly or a newsletter you read or podcast that you listen to or, or anything really.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, for understanding not necessarily FinTech, but finance, there's uh, Planet Money is a podcast by NPR. They actually have a really funny TikTok. Um, so check that out. <laughs> um, nice. And there's a podcast called Invest Like the Best by Patrick O'Shaughnessy. That's very good. Uh, and then there's a podcast called Venture Stories by Eric Torenberg, But I also really like. So those are some. And I, I've been on Eric Torenberg's uh, a few times.
0: Cool. Thanks so much for sharing that as well. I think with this, we're slowly getting to the end. Just before we uh, get off the call, I would like to summarize a few things that we discussed. Um, Just really pick out the most, um, I think, interesting or important things that we mentioned. I think one was that SAVC is a really cool thing to have a founder's background because it helps you to empathize with the founders but it's not necessary to have that to be a really good VC. and it basically comes down to the empathy that is the most important thing to really have to be able to understand the founders whether you do that from your own experience before or any other way but the empathy is the key and yep. i think second thing that I found important was that it does take a long time to build successful ecosystems because it does take a long time to basically, as a generation of founders to build companies and sell them and then sort of realize the value out of it that you're able to reinvest as an investor potentially later on.
1: Um,
0: But it is actually a pretty key thing when building ecosystems and should be encouraged um, even though it takes a long time. I think first thing that I thought was um, pretty cool is that even though we're sort of in a crisis and the economy as a whole uh, will definitely take some time to recover, it is still not impossible to raise funds. And it's been going really well for you, which I'm very happy for. And so you are on on a great path to actually raise the fund for Better Tomorrow Ventures. And that's really great to hear. And I think it's really encouraging for others out there that are currently fundraising. And that's again, whether they are actually VCs or founders. And so, yeah, we shouldn't lose the motivation and just go forward. And as you said, spend a lot of time in nature and hike to clean our minds just to really stay on track. Is there anything else that you think should be mentioned before we jump off?
1: No, that's perfect. What a great summary. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. It was a great pleasure having you. Thanks so much for the chat. And I'm looking forward to talk to you soon again and to everyone else uh, to have you back at our next episode as well. Thanks a lot, Shiel. Thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Bye.
1: Thank you.